What is good, everyone? This is episode number 13, season 2 of Truth and Love. That's right. We are here at Truth and Love. Always credits at the very beginning that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, rose from the dead three days later, shedding his blood once and for all, so people would not have to drink baby's blood and eat their pinot glands. But by accepting him who died, have real eternal life and not the fake that the illustrious council controlled by Satan does. So, with that being said, we are not here to force our faith and beliefs upon anybody. We just want to speak what we believe. But we also speak about the facts with the emotional stories attached to them. And lately, it seems more of the facts than anything else, because we are talking about executive orders. But it is for a very, very specific reason. And that's not just because we want to be all boring looking. Far from that. In reality, we actually want to provide what is actually the truth. Okay, what is actually really happening? And by looking at the actual paper trail. Now here, we are going to, of course, get into two different executive orders. But we're not going to finish the second one. Now, reason behind that is because this is where we're going to be talking about FEMA specifically. The first one is going to be Executive Order 12127, which is FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency, and 12656, which is Assignment of Emergency Preparedness Responsibilities. And the reason why we're not going to get through all of number two is because it is 42 pages long, and we do not have the time to be doing that on one single episode. And if we do, you know, that gets a little that gets to be a little too much. So that's why we like to space it out. So you have some rest and ease. I mean, I need some rest and ease here too. <laughs> but with that being said, we are going to talk about our long-term generational wealth at the very end. And, of course, before we get into this, we're going to speak the Declaration of Independence and the first few sentences. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent 
of the governed. That is us, the people. We are the governed. That's what it means by such. Okay? Ones that are in office govern those that are the governed. And with that, it means that whether people like it or not, people must be governed nonetheless. Okay, that's not based upon tyranny. It's just based upon there has to be order. There has to be. You can't just have complete and utter chaotic freedom. You can't just go around living life your own merry way. Even in the kingdom of darkness, it is order. Even in the kingdom of light, of God, is order. There is order on both sides. So either way, you can't avoid it. If you want to, go ahead, by all means, see how that works out for you. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that ain't reality. There's a right way and a wrong way of doing things. And right now, the wrong way is being shown. But that's for a specific reason. Now, FEMA 12127 states, by the authority vested in me as president of the Constitution, president by the Constitution and laws of the United States of America, including Section 304 of Reorganization Plan Number 3 of 1978, and in order to provide for the orderly activation of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, it is hereby ordered as follows. 1-101. Reorganization Plan Number 3 of 1978, 43-4-41943, which establishes the Federal Emergency Management Agency, provides for the transfer of functions and the transfer and abolition of agencies and offices is hereby effective. 1-102. The Director of the Office of Management and Budget shall, in accord with Section 302 of the Reorganization Plan, provide for all the appropriate transfers, including those transferred related to all the functions transferred from the Department of Commerce, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and the President. 1-103. A. The functions transferred from the Department of Commerce are those vested in the, NA in the Secretary of Commerce, the Administrator of Deputy Administrator, or excuse me, the Administrator and Deputy Administrator of the National Fire Prevention and Control Administration, now the United States Fire Administration, Section 2A of Public Law 95-422, and the Superintendent of the National Academy for Fire Prevention and Control pursuant to the Federal Fire Prevention and Control Act of 1974 as amended, 15 United States Code 2201 at sequence, but not including any functions vested by the amendments made to other acts by Section 18 and 23 of that act, 15 United States Code 278F and 1511. 
functions vested in the administrator by sections 24 and 25 of that act as added by sections 3 and 4 of public laws 95-422 15 United States Code 2220 and 2221 are not transferred to the director of the Federal Emergency Management Agency those functions are transferred with the administrator and remain vested in him section 201 of the plan letter b of 1-103 there was also transferred from the Department of Commerce any function concerning the emergency broadcast system, which was transferred to the Secretary of Commerce by Section 5B of Reorganization Plan Number 1 of 1977, 42 FR 56101, implemented by Executive Order 12046 of March 17th, or excuse me, March 27th, 1978, and Section 203 of the plan. Now, what does this mean? Well, this literally means in plain English that functions are literally transferred from the Department of Commerce to the Administrator and Deputy Administrator of the National Fire Prevention and Control Administration via the different laws that have been established through order in time through the United States history. 1-104. The functions transferred from the Department of Housing and Urban Development are those vested in the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development pursuant to Section 15E of the Federal Flood Insurance Act of 1956, as amended 42 United States Code 2414E and the National Flood Insurance Act of 1968, as amended, and the Flood Disaster Pro Protection Act of 1973, as amended, 42 United States Code, 4001, at sequence, and Section 520B of the National Housing Act, as amended, 12 United States Code, 1735D, parenthesis B, to the extent necessary to borrow from the Treasury to make payments for reinsured and directly insured losses in Title 12 and National Housing Act as amended 12 United States Code 1749-BBB at sequence and as explained in Section 1 of the National Insurance Development Act of 1975, Section 1 of Public Law 94-13 at 12 United States Code 1749-BBB note. Section 202 of the plan. Okay, again, they're using different laws for the language. And what that really means in plain English is just moving, trans or really transferring the function from of control from the Department of Housing and Urban Development to the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Literally, they're just covering their tail, is what it's stating. 1-105, the functions transferred from the president are those concerning the emergency broadcast system, which were transferred to the president by Section 5 of Reorganization Plan Number 1 of 1977, 42 FR 56101, implemented by Executive Order 12046 of March 27, 1978. Section 203 of the plan. And... 1-106. This order shall be effective Sunday, April 1st, 1979. Signed, President 
Jimmy Carter. Literally what they mean. And since they're saying April 1st, that's because this was actually written on March 31st. So that way it took effect next day. And a Sunday of all days, of course, <laughs> when people weren't working. But Jimmy Carter signed that, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And the next one, Executive Order 12656, signed by Ronald Reagan. So all you Reagan fans out there, get ready to get blown away by his blatant point of implementing the conspiracy even more. More so as we'll call this executive order. Since it says assignment of emergency preparedness responsibilities, it really is meaning Operation Garden Plot, character positions, revoking executive order 10421, 10997 through 11,005, and 11490. Yes, they revoke executive orders 10421, as well as 10,997 to 11,005, and 11,490. Now, why do we talk about those executive orders in, to begin with, if they were going to revoke them? Well, just to show you the paper trail. So, that way you can understand and see how it all correlates together over time. That they've been doing this. And when you see that they've been doing this, and here's the one thing that people don't really show an effect, is that they say, oh yeah, look at what JFK did with these executive orders. Well, look right here then. I have Executive Order 12656 that literally states by Ronald Reagan, they revoke those executive orders that JFK wrote. But the whole point behind it was to write those in advance, to take the meat out of that, add it to the new dish of potatoes and veggies, and then slab on a new cherry pie with that. Or whatever kind of pie you like. Or if you don't like pie, think of your favorite dessert. But if you don't like pie, I've only met a couple people who don't like pie, I don't understand it, but <laughs> think of your favorite dessert as a new addition to this. Now, we're not going to talk about the whole thing, like I said, it's 42 different pages, but we are going to go into this and cover it in different parts. Now, the source is the provisions of Executive Order 12656 of November 18th, 1988, appear at 53 FR 47491, 3 CFR 1988, composition, page 588, unless otherwise noted. Whereas our national security is dependent upon our ability to assure continuity of government at every level in any national security emergency situation that might confront the nation. And whereas effective national preparedness planning to meet such an emergency, including a massive nuclear attack, is essential to our national survival. And 
Whereas effective national preparedness planning requires the identification of functions that would have to be performed during such an emergency, the assignment of responsibility, or developing plans for performing these functions, and the assignment of responsibility for developing the capability to implement those plans. And whereas the Congress has directed the development of such national security emergency preparedness plans, and has provided funds for the accomplishment thereof. Now, with those saying whereas, is literally in a statement of whereas these things take place, is when they go into how it starts off now. Therefore, by virtue of the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and laws of the United States of America, and pursuant to reorganization plan number one of 1958, 72 staff 1799, the National Security Act of 1947 as amended, the Defense Production Act of 1950 as amended, and the Federal Civil Defense Act as amended. It is hereby ordered that the responsibilities of the federal departments and agencies in national security emergencies shall be as follows. So they're saying, whether these things really happen, this is what is being established. Part 1. Preamble, or premable, whichever you want to say. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Section 101. National Security Emergency Preparedness Policy. A. The policy of the United States is to have sufficient capabilities at all levels of government to meet essential of defense and civilian needs during any national security emergency. A national security emergency is any occurrence, including natural disaster, military attack, technological emergency, or other emergency. The seri that seriously degrades or seriously threatens the national security of the United States. Policy for national security emergency preparedness shall be established by the president. Pursuant to the president's direction, the National Security Council shall be responsible for developing and administering such policy. All national security emergency preparedness activities shall be consistent with the Constitution and laws of the United States and with preservation of the constitutional government of the United States. B. Effective national security emergency preparedness planning requires identification of functions that would have to be performed during such an emergency, development of plans for performing these functions, and development of the capability to execute those plans. So, as Section 1 states, it's the National Security Emergency Preparedness Policy. It's what's stating about what the policy is about. Now, Section 102 is the purpose. So just because you have the policy and what it's going to look like doesn't mean that's what states the purpose, such as what Section 102 does. There's two letters, A and B. A, the purpose of this order is to assign national security emergency preparedness responsibilities to federal departments and agencies. These assignments are based whenever possible, on extensions of the regular missions of the departments and agencies. What? Are you serious? 
These assignments are based whenever possible on extensions of the regular missions of the departments and agencies. Are you serious? Like, we already went over how deeply involved the CIA and FBI is to the illustrious council. Okay, the CIA was created by Mossad and MI6 and MI5, and FBI was created by Rockefeller as a protection agency for trafficking children. That's what the FBI was created for. And CIA was used to spy on people and create mind control on them. Now, I'm not knocking anybody who works there as a way to actually help people. I'm not knocking them. I'm knocking what is a fallacy. So, anybody who's listening into this and has and is working in high-level security positions in their country, just know that it's not specifically there to be set as a way to help people. You are doing your job well. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with how it was established in the beginning and the enhancement of time of what it was really utilized for. So, nothing wrong with people that wanted to help others the right way. But that's why I bring that up for purpose. Why it's so messed up when they say these assignments are based, whenever possible, on extensions of the regular missions of the departments and agencies. Like, what? Are you serious? Like, come on. <laughs> That's just freaking blatant. The letter B of purpose says this order does not constitute authority to implement the plans prepared pursuant to this order. Plans so developed may be executed only in the event that authority for such execution is authorized by law. So look at that, even though they have their purpose there, the law has to authorize the execution of this executive order either way. <laughs> so there's a reason why these executive orders have not been signed off by the presidents to create the whole entire problem reaction solution of control of the entire nation to control the world. So section 103, scope. A. And if you don't know what scope means, it doesn't mean that you're looking through a lens of a magnifying glass or spyglass. Scope is the vision of the action. So there's A, B, and C. A says this order addresses national security emergency preparedness functions and activities. As used in this order, preparedness functions and activities include, as appropriate, policies, plans, procedures, and readiness measures that enhance the ability of the United States government to mobilize for, respond to, and recover from a national security emergency. B. This order does not apply to those natural disasters, technological emergencies, or other emergencies, the alleviation of which is normally the responsibility of individuals, the private sector, volunteer organizations, state and local governments, and federal departments and agencies, unless such situations are con or, excuse me, also constitute a national security emergency. See, this order does not require the provision of information concerning or evaluation of military policies, plans, 
programs or states of military readiness. And there is letter D. My apologies. This order does not apply to national security emergency preparedness, telecommunications functions, and responsibilities that are otherwise assigned by Executive Order 12472. Section 104. So if we want to go over Section 103, which is the scope, literally just states in plain English that even though this is in order, that what we're going over is the exact measures of complete and utter control, they cannot be implemented. But this is what we see, and this is what we want to implement. This is what we want the world to see and implement. Section 104, Management of National Security Emergency Preparedness. A. The National Security Council is the principal forum for consideration of national security emergency preparedness policy. B. The National Security Council shall arrange for executive branch liaison with and assistance to the Congress and the Federal Judiciary on national security emergency preparedness matters. C. Here's a little bit longer one. The Director of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, shall serve as an advisor to the National Security Council on issues of national security emergency preparedness. Look at that! They're trying to creep their way in. Like, this is just blatantly obvious. Including mobilization preparedness, civil defense, continuity of government, technological disasters, and other issues as appropriate. Pursuant to such procedures for the organization and management of the National Security Council process as the President may establish, the Director of the Federal Emergency Management Agency also shall assist the implementation of and management of the National Security Council process as the President may establish. The Director of the Federal Emergency Management Agency also shall assist in the implementation of National Security Emergency Preparedness Policy by coordinating with the other federal departments and agencies and with state and local governments and by providing periodic reports to the National Security Council on implementation of National Security Emergency Preparedness Policy. D. National Security Emergency Preparedness Functions that are shared by more than one agency shall be coordinated by the head of the Federal Department of or agency having primary responsibility and shall be supported by the heads of other departments and agencies having related responsibilities. E. There shall be a National Security Emergency Exercise Program that shall be supported by the heads of all appropriate federal departments and agencies. F. Plans and procedures will be designed and developed to provide maximum flexibility to the President for his implementation of emergency actions. And that was Management of National Security Emergency Preparedness. Yes, the management is what they just covered. Not who's going to be managing, but as in how the managing is going to work. Section 105, Interagency Coordination. A. All appropriate cabinet members and agency heads shall be consulted 
regarding national security emergency preparedness programs and policy issues. Each department and agency shall support interagency coordination to improve preparedness and response to a national security emergency and shall develop and maintain decentralized capabilities wherever feasible and appropriate. Meaning, we're going to move things where we think they're best put, and no one can say otherwise. B. Each federal department and agency shall work within the framework established by and cooperate with those organizations assigned responsibility in Executive Order Number 12472 to ensure adequate national security emergency preparedness telecommunications in support of the functions and activities addressed by this order. Now is Part 1. Part 2. General Provisions. Section 201. General. The head of each federal department and agency, as appropriate, shall 1. Be prepared to respond adequately to all national security emergencies, including those that are international in scope, and those that may occur within any region of the nation. Excuse me. A baking powder? I thought I heard you say that are international in scope, including those that are international in scope. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't I just say that China had executive orders such as these, stating from someone who actually went there and studied what was going on there? Hmm, pretty interesting. Ah, yeah. Okay, international scope. <laughs> okay, now you're going to see how closely interconnected this is. It ain't just the United States. This is just the executive orders we have in the United States, but this is how it correlates to all the other major countries. Now, I haven't come across other countries with their executive orders as of yet, but... That's not to say they aren't there. But, as in reality, so far what has come forward is the fact of the United States and China having such executive orders that they have in their country, as well as the United States. Wouldn't be surprised, as I've already said previously, in the United Kingdom, in Germany, in Italy, in France, and in Austria, in Europe as the main places, because that's where the Rothschilds actually took control of the European nation, of those main countries, and the other families are more so spread out around there. So, with that being said, let's continue on to number two, part two. Consider national security emergency preparedness factors in the conduct of his or her regular functions, particularly those functions essential in time of emergency, emergency plans and programs, and an appropriate state of readiness, including organizational infrastructure, shall be developed as an integral part of the continuing activities of each federal department and agency. 3. Appoint a senior policy official as emergency coordinator responsible for developing and maintaining a multi-year national security emergency preparedness plan for the department or agency to include objectives, programs, and budgetary 
requirements. Four, design preparedness measures to permit a rapid and effective transition from routine to emergency operations and to make effective use of the period following initial indication of a probable national security emergency. This will include A. Development of a system of emergency actions that defines alternatives, processes, and issues to be considered during various stages of national security emergencies. B. Identification of actions that could be taken in the early stages of a national security emergency or pending national security emergency to mitigate the impact of or reduce significantly the lead times associated with full emergency action implementation. 5. Base national security emergency preparedness measures on the use of existing authorities, organizations, resources, and systems to the maximum extent practicable. 6. Identify areas where additional legal authorities may be needed to assist management and consistent with applicable executive orders, take appropriate measures toward acquiring those authorities. 7. Make policy recommendations to the National Security Council regarding national security emergency preparedness activities and functions of the federal government. Saying just pretty much saying recommendations there. 8. Coordinate with state and local government agencies and other organizations, including private sector organizations, when appropriate. Federal plans should include appropriate involvement of and reliance upon private sector organizations in the response to national security emergencies. 9. Assist state, assist <laughs> state, local, and private sector entities in developing plans for mitigating the effects of national security emergencies and for providing services that are essential to a national response. 10. Corporate, to the extent appropriate, in compiling, evaluating, and exchanging relevant data related to all aspects of national, national security emergency preparedness. Like, why is business getting involved with the law for executive orders. They have no business having business in the law. For real, it was established that business and government is separate from the beginning, and it was changed in the early 1900s. I can't remember the exact dates, but uh, it was the early 1900s where they started off with the oil business. And it just went off from there. And I'm, and business and government are to be separated. And this is the whole reason why here that they add this. Ha! Made y'all think on that one, didn't I? I'm just kidding. It didn't say corporation. <laughs> but number nine is towards the effect of corporation. Number 10, it says cooperate to the extent appropriate in compiling, evaluating, and exchanging relevant data related to all aspects of national security emergency preparedness. So yes, it's not corporation, it's cooperate. Making y'all think there. <laughs> Come on, I had to do something. But yes, the corporation, I was going off, off about that because of number nine. Doesn't specifically state it, but it is to the intent of it. Why? Well, because it says assist state, local, and private sector entities. Private sector enti 
private sector entities are corporations and LLCs and limited partnerships and general partnerships, nonprofits, so on and so forth. And it says, in developing plans for mitigating the effects of national security emergencies and for providing services that are essential to a national response. Ugh. Disgusting. 11. Develop programs regarding congressional relations and public information that could be used during national security emergencies. 12. Ensure a, a capability to provide, during a national security emergency, information concerning acts of Congress, presidential proclamations, executive orders, regulations, and notices of other actions to the archivist of the United States for publication in the Federal Register or to each agency designated to maintain the Federal Register in, in an emergency. 13. Develop and conduct training and education programs that incorporate emergency preparedness and civil defense information necessary to ensure an effective national response. Control over the training and education. Again, this is the general provisions we're going over. 14. Ensure that plans consider the consequences for essential services provided by state and local governments and by the private sector if the flow of federal funds is disrupted. <laughs> They're using corporations to back themselves up, basically. 15. Consult, coordinate with the director of the Federal Emergency Management Agency to ensure that those activities and plans are consistent with current National Security Council guidelines and policies. And that was Section 201. Section 202. Continuity of Government. The head of each federal department and agency shall ensure the continuity of essential functions in any national security emergency by providing for succession to office and emergency delegation of authority in accordance with applicable law, safekeeping of essential resources, facilities, records, and establishment of emergency operating capabilities. That is continuity of government. Section 203, resource management. The head of each federal department and agency, as appropriate, within assigned areas of responsibility, shall 1. Develop plans and programs to mobilize personnel, including reservist programs, equipment, facilities, and other resources. 2. Assess essential emergency requirements and plan for the possible use of alternative resources to meet essential demands during and following national security emergencies. 3. Prepare plans and procedures to share between and among the responsible agencies resources such as energy, equipment, food, land, materials, minerals, services, supplies, transportation, water, and workforce needed to carry out assigned responsibilities and other essential functions and cooperate with other agencies in developing programs to ensure availability of such resources in a national security. I was literally just saying preparing plans and procedures between all those different functions and things. In a mass, but yes, in a national emergency. Four, 
develop plans to set priorities and allocate resources among civilian military claimants. 5. Identify occupations and skills for which there may be a critical need in the event of a national security emergency. Section 204. Protection of essential resources and facilities. The head of each federal department and agency within assigned areas of responsibility shall 1. Identify facilities and resources, both government and private, essential to the national defense and national welfare, and assess their vulnerabilities and develop strategies, plans, and programs to provide for the security of such facilities and resources, and to avoid or minimize disruptions of essential services during any national security emergency. 2. Participate in interagency activities to assess the relative importance or relative importance of various facilities and resources to essential military and civilian needs and to integrate preparedness and response strategies and procedures. 3. Maintain a capability to assess promptly the effect of attack and other disruptions during national security emergencies. Section 205. Federal Benefit, Insurance, and Loan Programs. The head of each federal department and agency that administers a loan, insurance, or benefit or benefit program that relies upon the federal government payment system shall coordinate with the Secretary of the Treasury in developing plans for the continuation or restoration to the extent feasible of such programs in national security emergencies. Section 206. Research. The Director of the Office of Science and Technology, Policy, and the heads of federal departments and agencies Having significant research and development programs shall advise the National Security Council of Scientific and Technological Developments that should be considered in National Security Emergency Preparedness Planning. Section 207. Redelegation. The head of each federal department and agency is hereby authorized, to the extent otherwise permitted by law, to redelegate the functions assigned by this order, and to authorize successive redelegations to organizations, officers, or employees within the department of within the within that department or agency. Section two zero eight, transfer of functions. Recommendations for interagency transfer of any emergency preparedness function assigned under this this order or for assignment of any new emergency preparedness function shall be coordinated with all affected federal departments and agencies before submission to the National Security Council. Section 209. Retention of existing authority. Nothing in this order shall be deemed to derogate from assignments of functions to any federal department or agency or officer thereof made by law. And that is where we're actually going to pause as we're going to move on to part three, Department of Agriculture. Oh, man, this is just getting good. If you really think what we're going to be covering overall with just the executive orders and the illustrious council is the best we got, you got another 
thing coming. <laughs> there is always new information coming this way. And other ways for other people as well. Not saying we're the only source, but as in most relevant, up-to-date, that applies with history, and is emotionally attached to us all, is what we provide and will always provide. With this information that we have, we would like to take a brief pause and hear a word from our sponsor. Mwah. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, I do my own advertising. That's, that's why I like this app, because you get to do your own little ad. And you also get an hour's worth free podcasting time to get out there. And those that listen on, on these podcasts, you don't even have to make an account. I mean, you can if you want. It's pretty cool. It's simple. But you don't even have to be on this podcast. I mean, it'd be great if you'd be on the podcast because then you help out with the donation <laughs> by listening to the ad. But besides that, we are going to talk about long-term generational wealth when we come back and give you that free book. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Appreciate you all staying tuned and listening into this awesome content that's free while I do this work and simplify all y'all's lives, making mine hard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the only way life becomes hard is when you make it that way. Okay, so with this information, since we're talking about economic patterns of the elite. We always have to give out a disclaimer because of what we talk about. It's not like anybody has already come forward based upon it, but anyone that does, that's why we have this disclaimer. Because we are not licensed financial advisors, we are not licensed attorneys, we are not licensed asset protection specialists, we are not licensed tax attorneys, and we are not licensed tax accountants. If you have anything that has to do with those areas, please go to your specialist. They will take care of you. They will do what's necessary to ensure your best efforts and your best interests. If you don't have anybody like that, and you have a bunch of money, I have no idea what you're doing with your life on that one. But look for the right people. We'll just put it at that. <laughs> but we're not going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about how to build you that long-term generational wealth. And... With that, we are going to bring up our stock pick, again, of the most wonderful one that has been driving into a greatly improved stock that is connected to the elites. That does not hurt anyone because it is just the money. And these are not any big pharma stocks nor anything that has to do related to the illustrious council's agricultural stocks. Or anything that has to relate to the food commodity area and so on with poisoning people. Is Lifetime Brands, stock symbol, LCUT, LCUT, 
first time we brought out the price, it was at $7.20 a share. Last time we brought it up, it came up to $8.89 a share. If you didn't get in then, you need to get in now. Because you not only lost out on the first time of getting in at $7.20 a share, you lost out on gaining up past a dollar. And on top of that, it was $1.50, $1.60, more. Yes, and now, reaching past the $10 marker. We are at $10.05 a share running today. And if you did not get on the train of $8.89, you just lost out on another couple dollars. You literally missed out on gaining three extra dollars per share. What? You mean I could have made 30% within a, 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 a month and a half or two? What? Yes. Okay, we talk about other stocks that are on a decline because it's on a long way up or those that are consistent with the same price. Okay, but we talk about other stocks that are also related to such and we show you which, how they're actually pushing up. This is one of them. Okay, we're going to talk about the ones that are going sideways and going up and going down. You always want to buy low, sell high. <laughs> That's always how it's been. But you need to know how to do that effectively. Now, that's not to say to buy and sell shares really fast on this stock. Not even on any of the stocks. Don't do that. It's bad advice. If anybody tells you that, they better be an expert at shorting the stock market. If they are not, a sh if they are not an expert at that, you are getting screwed over. You are literally losing money and wasting your time. So, take it from someone who actually is studied economic patterns and studied how the elites move their money, who have actually done their 10,000 hours of looking into this, then you'll take that advice over someone who so-called says they do, but doesn't actually have the experience or knowledge for that matter. Anybody can look stuff up online but it takes a real expert to actually have the experience to talk about what they can talk about. So, being that said, if you don't get in now, you're wasting more money. Literally, you could be you could literally building you you literally could be building equity. If you want to be you literally could have saved your McDonald's meal and invested it into this stock and had it gone up. But no, you wanted that good old cheeseburger, fries, Coke. What did that give you? Nothing but disgusting feeling inside and bad poop. <laughs> well, 
there's more than just that. But my point being is, if you wasted the time to figure out when to get in, now's the greatest time to start doing that. Because when you don't, you're losing. And when you're losing, you feel horrible. Now, we're not going to tell you to get in on the stock and then get out on the stock. We're telling you to always get in on the stock, no matter what. Because the stocks we give are long-term generational wealth stocks. Ones that are always consistently outperform because they are related to the elites that always profit through each and new system that they create. So, that way, you're not looking at like, oh, let me go ahead and make some money off, off the Fortune 500 companies. Unless you got an IUL that performs off the, the Dow, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ. I should rephrase that as the... <laughs> Technically, how, this is how it works. It is the Dow... Then it is S&P 500, or excuse me, it is NASDAQ, which is all the technology stocks. It is then S&P 500, which is the Fortune 500 companies. And then it is the Dow Jones, which is the top 30 companies, which is the US 30. Okay? When you have an IUL or a few different IULs, you will create tax-free wealth. Okay? This is not tax advice. This is just investment advice. And you don't need to be licensed to give an investment advice on how to build your long-term generational wealth. So having an indexed universal life insurance policy that follows, you can have a bunch of them that mix between all three. Nothing wrong with that. But that's how you're able to make money in the stock market tax-free. Now, the stocks that we bring up in, in the play, yes, you would pay tax on that if you were to take them out and you were doing the short-term trading. Now, if you're doing the long-term trading, like you're doing the capital, the long-term capital gains, you're not going to be paying as much tax. You actually pay less tax when you let it sit. So, even better, when you have a company and you use your company to invest into that, you can also write Stuff off of those stocks as well. So you're even paying a little less tax on those. So, if you really want to just have a business just to make money and you don't really want to do much work, <laughs> you can literally set yourself up well without even have, having a product. You want to have the right people do this and set this up for you, where you will be having to perform and make money through it, of course, yes. But it doesn't mean you have to have a product. You just have to have consistent business in there for it to operate to have ultimate protection. That's just one way. Now, what we're going to do is talk about two different articles, one on CNBC and one on the Wall Street Journal. Okay, one with CNBC was on September 1st, 2020. Next one is on September 2nd, 2020. Now, with CNBC, this first one's called 
the Fed could be locked into zero rates for five years or even longer. This is by Jeff Cox. Interest rates near zero likely will stay in place not for months but years as the Federal Reserve seeks to re-engineer an economy characterized by low inflation and an uneven labor market. This is exactly what I've been talking about, how they're creating the new economy, new world order. So the whole COVID thing is just to make people believe something is actually out there, to make people believe there's fear when they're using that as a disguise on moving money and taking the wealth from the masses and redistributing it back to them. That's why, for me, I work at a precious metal dealer that helps give people wealth back into their hands and preserves that so that way you are protected. That's what I do for people. I protect them with their wealth. Not home, not life. Well, your your, your financial side. <laughs> You're not... Not your home, not your life, not your car, not anything else. Your wealth. You don't need a license to insure people's wealth with precious metals. With that being in there, that is the reason why a lot of things take place and people don't read it. It's placed in the news, but it's placed in the news only for people that really look at it which is not the 1%, it's literally the, I'd say 5%, 10% at most, in the entire world that looks at stuff like this. So when they talk about, for instance, not for months, but years, as the Federal Reserve seeks to re-engineer an economy characterized by low inflation and an uneven labor market, they're literally moving hit money hand over fist <laughs> without any interruptions. And people aren't saying nothing. And, it, and this has nothing to do with 5G. Okay, yeah, they are implementing 5G. But they're literally moving money back and forth. Getting ready for the new economy to come. That's what they're doing. They know for a fact they're not going to implement 5G right away. <laughs> think they didn't think this through? They know both sides. <laughs> they know how both sides work. They've been doing this for thousands of years. Hello? <laughs> Pretty sure people have been doing this for thousands of years. Know what they're doing. So, that's why we're here. To show you what they're doing. Now, am I a part of it? No. Not at all. But I know how they work and operate based upon their actions. Anybody can see that. When you take the time to see that. But, moving on to Wall Street Journal. This one is by Kate Davidson. Called U.S. Debt 
is set to exceed size of the economy for a year, a first since World War II. In the beginning section says, by the end of June, total debt had swelled to $20.5 trillion from $17.7 trillion at the end of March. Gee, I wonder where that came from. Uh, hello, printing the stimulus money? A 16% increase over just three months, according to Treasury Department data. Meanwhile, the economy shrank 9.5% in the second quarter, bringing debt as a share of GDP to 105.5%. Like, are you serious? When I, when I read this today, I was like, what? Bringing GDP to 105% is because they compare it with 82% in the first quarter. How do you go from 82% to 105.5% like that? Well, simple. They've literally been printing money without telling the economy or the news. Besides the stimulus bill. That's the only reason why it's gone up like that. But a little bit further, it says, Although the economy contracted sharply, or contracted sharply in the second quarter, the decline would have been much worse if not for the historic fiscal support, economists say. The spending propped up incomes through stimulus checks for households, enhanced jobless benefits, and emergency small business loans. Now, this emergency small business loans is a conflict of interest. As of what I'm hearing, it is a conflict of interest of what they're saying as to what's really happening. I've been talking to people that do have small businesses. I mean, I, I have my own my own business I was starting up before this podcast. There has been no money besides the free $10,000. There's a box that you check off on the application for the PPP loan where it says, I would, I would like to receive my free $10,000, but then they changed it to 1000 per employee, which is dumb. But anyway... The PPP literally went to big business. It went to the wealthy people. It didn't go to small businesses. Not one single person I've come across at all. Yet, as far as I'm, I've come across, has gotten any kind of money to support their business. And the only people that have are what I've been hearing. All the wealthy people. So... It's really a conflict of interest when they say emergency small business loans is what was also given out upon it, which is a load of crap. Now, to the SBA, Small Business Association, yeah, of course they got that money. <laughs> but does that mean that it went to the people? <laughs> nope. So... We're going to move on to give you our free book. 
which is called The Creature from Jekyll Island. A second look at the Federal Reserve by G. Edward Griffin. This is an excellent book. Highly recommend. Everyone, read it. As well as the other books that I've also recommended. This one actually goes in-depth. It actually gives a detective-like story as to the real look of the Federal Reserve. And that's what's super, super important. Because a lot of people don't understand that. They're like, oh, you know, the Federal Reserve, you know, they're the ones that are the bank, and they're the ones that control the monetary flows and policies and all that. Yeah, okay. Keep thinking that until you actually understand what's really happening. They're there just to control people financially in bondage. Created by the illustrious council by the Rothschild family. So, we have come to the conclusion of our episode. We are going to go ahead and go into part two of our lovely executive order. And until next time, we're going to finish going into part three into 12656 executive order. Till next time. Peace out.